What's up, everybody? Hello and welcome to episode number 161 of the VK Bros with Jason and Alex on Kennel. And I'm going to just throw something briefly at you before you get started. I'm broadcasting to you live from the ghetto of Helensvale because I had a chat to one of my neighbours last night and a house two houses down from us got robbed uh, yes, uh, Wednesday. And that is the second house on our street that has been robbed in the last month. Oh, really? So, yeah, welcome welcome to the hood. And what sort of precautionary measures are you putting in to protect yourself? Well, I'm home all the time. I have a beard and a mohawk. And yeah. essentially, if anyone has looked, like, cased the joint, they'll probably be more likely to catch low something value, if they come here. Home. Then, low value home. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. It's all an illusion. It's all an illusion. Yeah. I just try to make it look like we're broke with no assets uh, to avoid being thieved. Or is this an elaborate ruse? Because one of the topics that I didn't mention that I was going to bring up is that in the news all week, they've been talking about property prices. Mm-hmm. Are you just saying that to keep property prices down in your area? Are you, are you doing your bit to try and curb inflation by saying it's a ghetto? Are you firing gunshots off in the, in the back in your backyard? <laughs> well, prices down. well, the problem is, all I'm going to end up doing is attracting people with no money to try to buy houses in the area. <laughs> so True. I don't, I don't know that. Well, uh, that's interesting. Uh, hmm. I felt older than I've ever felt in my life this morning. Really? I mean, hour to get out of bed. Well, funnily enough, this morning you were older than you've ever been in your entire life. So it makes that's sense. That's true. Yeah. That's true. I trained yesterday morning mm-hmm. and then my gym is nice enough. Shout out to Wing Fit Gym. Gym's nice enough to put on like a social event in the afternoon where mm-hmm. we play frisbee. And the way we play frisbee is like, I guess it's like a hybrid of netball and frisbee where <laughs> two ends, oh, uh, like when you score, score a try once if you're over the line. Oh, so it's a try. Once you get the frisbee can't move like netball mm-hmm. uh but the way because it's a gym and they want you to run around a lot if there's a if there's a uh hand uh, uh i'm blanking on the sports term for a turnover yep when there's a turnover you have to run the long way so whatever where if it if it's one meter away from your try line but there's a turnover now you've got to run the other way oh yeah yeah i get you yeah and um we do it with no shoes on because it's good for like running in the grass is, you know, has a range of benefits. And this morning I was so freaking sore, mm. like just to warm my muscles up to, to get out. Like I'm feeling it, <laughs> feeling it. Oh, it's good. It, um, would you be feeling it too? And all the like little like ligaments and tendons and stuff in your ankles and your feet because that's that's the stuff that like no one thinks about strengthening yeah. like when you go to the gym no one does foot workouts and and those sorts of things so well one moment i was running and my ankle went like, okay. like on the edge and it sort of went like that and i was like oh, I, I got it back mm. and i was like i was i was you know three degrees off snapping my ankle in half yeah <laughs> no, it, look it feels good but man i'm feeling it today and then i think of like when I was 20, you just bounce back and you're like, you could do it again today. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. But you are only as old as you feel. 
I was actually good segue uh, into a, a subject that's going to be very very brief. I was listening to a podcast yesterday, one of Jordan Peterson's with I can't remember her yeah. name, but it was about mindfulness mm. and this uh, lady who uh, I can't remember her name. That's pretty bad of me, but it's Jordan Peterson's most recent podcast that he dropped. Uh, she is a researcher on mindfulness and she's in her 70s and she starts out by like she goes oh i asked the same question at the start of all my lectures and so i'll ask you the question now um what is one plus one two yeah it's what everyone says but when you really think about it one plus one is not always two so if you get one cloud and you join it with another cloud that creates one larger cloud Ooh. right yeah. So, so that's her, her thinking exercise. And it's like, we, we, we autopilot so much stuff in life. Like we are literally mindless with so many things in life that we don't even realize that one plus one can equal one, even though it happens literally every day. Like if you get a drop of water and you add it to another drop of water, you get one bigger drop of water. Well, that segues. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. That point. Yeah. Before you move. Yeah. I'll segue in two seconds. Um, the reason no, why. No, I've got a segue. You segue in two seconds. Uh, the reason why I brought it up was uh, they did this study with um, older people. So people in their like 60s and 70s. And what they did was they actually brought them back to a school camp that they went on back when they were in high school. And they set up all the conditions around them to be just like it was when they were in high school. So and they tried were... to re-molest them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Makes you feel young. Yeah. Um, but when they wore the same clothes, they played the same wow. music, they ate the same foods. And they only did this for like five days. And they actually, like they tested all their like biomarkers at the beginning of it and at the end of it. And they, they actually had like their um, biological age or whatever the, you call that metric had actually decreased in just that five day period. And what she was talking about is how much about our health... Uh, is like a physical health is based on your perception of it and then another example she brought up was was cancer she said that one of the biggest drivers of cancer in the body is stress so stress makes cancers grow faster and one of the worst parts about cancer treatment is when you when you get cancer treatment and then the cancer's like gone away they say they don't say your cancer is cured they say you're in remission mm. and you have to be in remission for like five years without the cancer reappearing before they'll say your cancer has been cured. So in other words, for the next five years, you're stressing out going, geez, I hope it doesn't come back. I hope it doesn't come back. I, I have a theory and this is unproven. I don't know. I don't know if any study has been done on it, but it's just my observational mm -hmm. uh, experience with fertility. Yep. Anyone that's trying to have babies really struggles. As soon as you stop trying, you have one. And I wonder if that's a stress marker as well. If you're thinking about it, oh, it has to happen, it has to happen, it has to happen. And then if it doesn't happen, oh man, like I'm under all this pressure. And whereas like oh, a couple of boozy nights, bang, done, there's a kid. I'm, I'm going to tell a bit of a inappropriate story, which I'm hoping my wife won't listen to this. So we've got two kids and uh, we've got the same circle of friends that we've had for many, many years. And for a long time, uh, I was spruiking the expertise in the pullout method mm. and how I was saying the pullout method is 100% effective, case in point, but you just got to have the discipline, right? So I, I like spruiked it and I used to joke about it all the time. And 
because my my wife actually went off the pill about three years before we decided to start trying to have kids and it was for various reasons because the pill's got plenty of downsides too plenty of side effects just as we've learned over the last three years with every medicine and so she would get really bad like migraines and stuff like that so when she went off it like they haven't gone away but they have started to like to get a lot better so during that three-year period in particular i was like spooky like you know like i'm i'm the pull-out champ anyway then when you actually try to have kids it's like all of a sudden well my last however many years of shit talk it may come home true. maybe i've just been shooting blanks this entire time yeah who knows but i never considered once that i would have like that we would have difficulty conceiving a child never even considered it and both kids were essentially conceived the first time we tried to and yeah. I, now look we are both healthy people and i made my own luck a lot like i actually before we conceived nate because i read this thing about i don't know how true this is either but it was a scientific study but again could have been flawed yeah but there's actually a gene in men that you pass on to your children based on how much body fat you're holding at the time of conception and it either switches this gene on or off which actually makes your children more or less susceptible to becoming obese down the track so after reading this thing for like the three to six months prior to conceiving nate I basically cut out the majority of alcohol, processed foods. I actually got down to, I look back, I got down to 92 kilos, mm-hmm. like, which is 11 kilos lighter than I am now. Yep. And, you know, conceived Nate. And then what will be interesting is it was a lot harder for me to keep the weight off after having Nate. So I was not 92 kilos when we conceived Jake. So it'll be interesting down the track to see if there is a difference between the two boys. Interesting. Now we're going to go back to the segue. Right, segue away. So and this segue, this is like segue inception because this segue is going to lead us into our actual topics for today. Mm -hmm. But going back to what you originally mentioned, we where we what you're kind of saying is that there's like a automated part of the mental process that gives you a particular reaction to whatever stimulus you're given. Yep. It's not based in logic. It's based on, I guess, it's emotion, right? Yeah. And. I, I, I've got, I've, I had this experience during the week. I was talking to someone about this COVID topic mm-hmm. and his instant reaction is to like brush it off, yep. brush it off. Talked about someone who had like a horrific injury. And I think he may have made the joke that it was caused by the vaccine. Right. And um, he's like, oh yeah, that's really sad. And I'm like, yeah, it is really sad, but it's really sad if it was, if these things have happened because governments forced us to do it. And he's like, oh, yeah, like brush it off. And I didn't get the chance to there because we're in a bit of a public scene, but I want to get in one-on-one to kind of explain like, what was the basis of that reaction? Mm. So if you, if you analyze the way you felt right then and there, sure, it was uncomfortable, right? It is an uncomfortable subject because no one wants to believe that this has happened. No mm. one wants to believe it. Yeah. But you have to ask yourself and you have to be critical of yourself is what led you to instantly dismiss it when you know you haven't looked? Mm. You know, you've got, there's no basis for your, that feeling. Yeah. And how are you going to get better or how are you going to learn from a scenario if you can't harness your, or control your, emotion like emotions yeah. versus facts yeah, yeah you need to be able to separate those things yeah 
And and I think that the key thing to try to explain to people too is this doesn't just apply to COVID. COVID's just the most invasive thing that's happened to our lives in the last mm. however many years. But this applies to everything. This applies to politics. It applies to how you respond to your boss when they make a request of your work. It how you respond money, to money, the way you treat money. Yep. How you respond to your partner when they yep. make a, uh, when they when they say something to you. And yeah, it's it is fascinating. And like for uh, just just to throw it out there, this is going to be a bit of a COVID show because the majority mm. of topics that have come up for us this week are COVID related. So welcome back, guys. Welcome back, to Red Pillars. <laughs> Um, but for anyone who thinks that people weren't like forced, I, w- I was literally having a conversation with a friend of mine during the week who uh, works for the Queensland government in a capacity and uh, was pregnant at the time that the mandates came in. And not only did they threaten this person, the this person that she would lose her job, but also would lose her maternity leave as well. Wow. Yeah. So you got to think like. And obviously, this is very front of mind because I've just seen it twice. When a woman is pregnant, that is one of the most vulnerable positions that she will ever be in in her entire life. Because you know, not only are you physically compromised, but you are about to go through a period where you cannot work. So you physically cannot support yourself financially. And we know how financially based our entire world is at the moment. And especially things like cost of living and stuff now that people are experiencing. So it's literally the most vulnerable position that a woman will ever find herself in in life, short of going to a war zone or being attacked in the street or something like that, right? And then to have the government say, hey, we know you're in a really, really vulnerable position. Here, take this brand new experimental medication. I know all of our other guidelines say literally don't take any other medicines while you're pregnant because, you know, we could have unforeseen effects. But take this brand new thing that we've got no long-term testing on. Otherwise, you're going to have no job and no money. Yeah. Like, it's, it's insane. So that probably segues us into the first topic, which is mandates in the... So in Queensland, government has just announced that they're removing the vaccine mandates for the healthcare sector. So a bit of an article here from, uh, I think it's ABC News. So Queensland Health to remove COVID-19 vaccine mandate for frontline health staff. Jeez, uh, yeah. lots of uh, lots of ads on this biznatch, yeah. isn't it? Oh, that's that's gone way down. That's a different story there. An existing cancer drug. Oh, just, yeah, there you go. Uh, thousands of Queensland nurses and health staff will be able to return to work as Queensland Health is expecting to scrap its COVID-19 vaccination mandate. Now, this was article was from like two days ago. They announced today formally that it has been scrapped. Health Minister Shannon Fentiman told ABC Radio Brisbane that Queensland's chief health officer had made the decision that the mandate was no longer necessary. In quotes, We've really come to the end of the pandemic and COVID vaccinations should be considered the same way that we consider flu vaccinations, Ms. Fentiman said. Now... A waste of time. Hold hold that thought, right? She said natural immunity due to high vaccination and infection rates would reduce risk to patients and staff. From Monday, a two-week consultation period with staff, unions, patient safety, advocacy groups and other stakeholders will begin. A final decision will be made by the Acting Director General of Queensland Health after the consultation concludes. In quotes, "We we have global workforce shortages, so I think it makes sense now to reconsider this mandate, she said. If someone... well, hold on, you missed. You, sorry, you missed the Miss Fenneman said during the oh, pandemic. Yeah. One thousand one hundred staff were still down. Another one thousand was uh, resigned over the mandate. Yeah. So during a 
health pandemic, we got rid of 2,000 healthcare workers. That makes sense, especially considering the fact they served people all throughout 2020 when there was no vaccine. That makes yeah. perfect I, sense. I wish these people didn't resign. I wish they stuck. And we spoke about this yeah. during the time because we, we were in the same um, scenario here at home and we're like, don't quit. Mm. Don't quit. Because like, if, if you don't quit, you, you have like a leave it a pull. Yeah. If you quit, you don't. Now, here's some... Where I was saying hold that thought before, uh, where they're saying, oh, we think that COVID vaccinations should be treated like flu vaccinations. That's mm-hmm. a significant statement because in a lot of healthcare settings, flu vaccines are mandatory. Ah, uh, interesting. Right? Okay. So I, I have a feeling that a lot of this is going to be about trying to attract in new workers who are unvaccinated rather than taking back the old ones who have quit or been disciplined. Anyway, disciplinary cases to be reviewed. The health minister said Queensland Health will review cases of disciplinary action which were, at the time, taken out against workers that refused to get vaccinated. In quotes, those workers did not comply with their employment contract, so Queensland Health will take a look at that on a case-by-case basis, she said. Ms. Fentiman said there are still hundreds of outstanding disciplinary action cases. Infectious disease physician and clinical microbiologist Paul Griffin. Now, do you remember what Paul Griffin looks like? No. Um, I'll, I'll look up a photo of him. In, no, do you want me to? Oh, uh, yeah, look it up. So, yeah, Paul Griffin. Uh, he basically looks like the blueberry, the girl who eats the, is it the blueberry chewing oh, gum yes, from yes, Charlie yes, and yes, the Chocolate yes, Factory and blows up to, yeah. Because he always wears those blues, blue glasses. One yeah. of the most punchable faces during the pandemic, this dude. Yeah. Anyway, go, go back to the story for me. Here we go. So... Paul Griffin said, lifting the vaccine mandate for health workers makes sense given the hybrid immunity in the community from both COVID infections and vaccination. In quotes, I think the mandate certainly served its purpose at the time, Dr. Griffin said. Cell units. Cell units, absolutely. Any changes to that recommendation at the moment don't mean... uh, I I just want people to focus on this part because you haven't read this, have you, Alex? No. Right. I just want people to focus on this little section. See which message keeps being repeated. So I think the mandate certainly served its purpose at the time. Any changes to that recommendation at the moment don't mean that that wasn't the right thing to do when it was in place. But I think that situation has changed. Uh, Dr. Griffin said the biggest risk to lifting the mandate was that people will think the initial rule was wrong, which isn't the case. Also, it can give the impression the pandemic's over and we don't need to do anything anymore. And that's certainly not the case either, he said. But you said that at the start. You said that it was over. I know. And this is... So, when this first popped up, I I tweeted out saying, I'm looking forward to seeing the justification behind this decision and why now is the right time to do it. Because it's going to take some serious mental gymnastics to be able to explain why... It's appropriate now, but couldn't have been done 12 months ago. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to think that our healthcare workers still have very high rates of vaccination. Dr. Griffin said ending the mandate should not signal that, in quotes, we don't really have to do anything to worry about COVID anymore. It still remains a risk, and we'll see another wave in the not-too-distant future, he said. Yeah, remember that election year strain that's on its yeah. way? Yeah. 
It just means that the mandate side of things isn't quite justified now, but we need to do everything we can to keep as many people protected as possible. We still so want can I just to- say something about the when they mentioned the vaccine slash natural infection hybrid? Mm-hmm. It's very much the analogy, would, and I'm going to try and make this analogy up on the fly. Mm-hmm. It's like the the hybrid analogy is like having a, a motorboat with an oar that's inside the boat. Yeah, the oar being the vaccine and the natural infection being the motorboat, and like they are. It, they are both powering that boat. Yeah. And is but one's doing 100% of it and the oar is doing 0%. Yeah, and the handle of the oar has got spikes on it. So if you pick yes. the handle up, you'll hurt your hands. Yeah, so you're yeah. probably just going to put that down and let the yeah. boat, the, the motor actually run the boat. Yeah. All right, we, we don't need to talk on that subject anymore because that's probably going to segue us through to, to John Campbell. But I just wanted to note that. That, that part of the article is so interesting where this is the same mental gymnastics they had to perform uh, six months into, or sorry, 12 months into the vaccine rollout where you had certain people had taken two doses and then the breakthrough infection started. So then they had to try to convince the people who had incredibly taken... Incredibly rare that, uh, breakthrough infections. That's right. The incredibly rare uh, 100% breakthrough infections. <laughs> But you had to try to convince people that had taken the two that they weren't working enough, so you had to take the third one. But you had to convince the people who hadn't taken any at that point that they were so good and they're so effective that you had to take the first two. Like, it's the same and bizarro ad- world bullshit. And an adverse event was showing it's working. That's right, yeah. Yeah, that heart pain, that's it working. That's, that's right. That's good. That's a feature, not a fault, sir. Yeah, now, bring up John Campbell's latest video because this, their little... Uh, blurb really drives us into this very, very well. So, Just make sure the sound works when I push it because yeah. we, we didn't check this. Yeah, it's true. Well, welcome to today's talk. It's Thursday, the 31st of August. Now, I want to bring you a study today from Israel's more independent minded studies coming out of Israel than other countries that could be mentioned. And this study shows that natural immunity after SARS coronavirus 2 is way better than vaccine-induced immunity. In fact, people, what they were able to do in Israel, they were able to get two groups. One group that had uh, had the infection but not been vaccinated. Another group that had the vaccine but had not been infected. Of course, many people had had both, that so-called hybrid immunity. But they had this group of people who had been infected but not vaccinated and vaccinated but not infected. Therefore, they could compare the two directly. And the people that had the natural infection, they found that they were 13 times less likely to get reinfected. So natural infection working 13 times better than vaccine uh, induced uh, immunity, the natural infection way better. And when it came to symptomatic infection, people that had had the natural infection but weren't vaccinated were 27 times less likely to get symptomatic infection compared to people that had been vaccinated but had not had the natural uh, infection. Now, let me play. I know what the other side is going to say about this, Mm -hmm. which is if you didn't survive the original infection, you couldn't have had been reinfected. Yeah. Therefore, you... But the death rate was only, what, 0.02% of people, regardless of age? Yeah, but those people? (laughs) 
So, but just just juxtapose. So, so this is this is the problem that we've encountered the entire way through the pandemic. The 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 sales process of them selling the vaccines was follow the science. Now, the science continues to churn out more and more science in regards to these vaccines, and the science keeps proving that natural immunity is far more effective than um, vaccine-related immunity. Now, just to draw... You're a right-wing extremism, extremist if you said that natural immunity existed in 2020. Uh, yeah, don't forget that. Remember they said that natural immunity uh, was not possible with COVID? Yeah. yeah, that was a good sales pitch too. But yep. but I want I want to um, juxtapose two things together. So uh, Paul Griffin was talking about how people are more protected because of the hybrid immunity that they have received from having both the vaccine and the infection. But on the other hand, anyone who was vaccinated and infected with COVID who happened to pass away... That was just blamed on COVID. That was just a COVID death. Yeah. Right? Had, yep. So if you can have hybrid immunity, would it not be also fair to argue that you also got hybrid death? Yeah. Especially if the cause of death isn't actually just COVID. It might be COVID exacerbating the myocarditis you've had or whatever the case may be. So that that is, again, the, the mental gymnastics that it's doublespeak. And Orwell <laughs> talks about doublespeak all the time. It's going to get. I, I, I'm in two minds. Do they do they ramp up the fear? I, like I know that they're sizzling. You know, Biden's invested some 1.6 billion dollars for another uh, round of vaccines and a new vaccine America. that works. Yeah, he specifically yeah. said that works when they asked yeah. him about it. Yeah, and uh, apparently, just saying things makes it true. Yeah. Um. Or. Or is this where? Like, do they have to use the fear campaign to try and give them more time to let them think of a strategy or, or way out of this? Or do you think this is when, like, the court cases start, like, coming thick and fast and they get wrecked? So, look, I I think there is a lot more to this uh, than just health. And this is where the tinfoil hat goes on. Because that election Eurocron thing, that's not really a joke. Like, that's mm. that's legitimate. And... Again, another another double speak thing that keeps coming up is the the pandemic's been over for however long, but now but now you got to bring out new vaccines and we're getting government funding for them and we're going to buy more for free and we suggest that everyone takes them. Mm. Uh, there in America, there's already been uh, universities that have brought back mask mandates and all of those things and. I'm just going to say something now just to get ahead of all of this before it hits Australia because it inevitably will at some stage, probably leading into winter next year. It's the old, which came first, the chicken or the egg analogy, right? We are currently in Australia not really caring that much about COVID, even though there are still people in hospital uh, like who have got COVID, COVID's still spreading around the community, but we are not caring about COVID at the moment because the government and the media don't tell us to care about it anymore. However, that will inevitably change. And probably when the next run of vaccines come out, they'll start ramping up the rhetoric again. And where they'll start ramping it up is they'll go, we have had a massive increase in cases because this new Eris strain or whatever the, the actual strain name is that's just come out is easier to infect, uh, easier to receive and easier to pass on. But this is the chicken or the egg. The COVID's already still here. 
The only difference will be with focus will lead to an increase in testing. Sure. Yeah. And the more testing... Well, they'll test wastewater. They, they won't test people. They'll test wastewater to find it. and then. Well, that'll be it. the first thing, which will then prompt everyone to go and get tested. And then the yeah. more testing you do, oh, look, we've had an explosion of cases. No, no, no. The mm. cases are already here. Plus, where everyone knows that the PCR test got ramped up to like 40 cycles when they, they said that it should never be over 28 cycles to actually test for a live virus. Everyone would show up COVID positive with a... Uh, yeah. 35 cycle or like exactly. a 35 cycle PCR test exactly right so right so, so that's what I want to get ahead of the cases are already here if you increase the testing you will increase the amount of cases you find so don't fall for that trick well it's funny because, because I was in a group of people and I, and I I triggered people by saying oh we all ready for the next wave they're talking about America so you know it's due to, due to land here soon and this guy is like Fuck that! I'm not getting a fucking jab this time. I was forced to do it last time just because I wanted a beer in a pub, and, yeah. um, and and it didn't fucking do anything. And I was like, "Yeah, boy." Yeah, but <laughs> now, but won't this be an interesting social experiment? Yeah, because it's literally that, like, you know, fool me once, shame on me; fool me twice, shame on you, or whatever it is. Yeah, I don't know if that's how it goes. It's too early in the morning. I haven't had enough yeah. coffee. Um, but we've literally just experienced the trick. And it's going to take so much for so many people who were so invested in that in that scam to let it go. So I wouldn't be surprised if you do see wide scale compliance again, because I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't look. I think you're not going to get as many this time. I, again, I don't even trust the ninety six percent that they said. I don't think that. Agreed. That, yeah. In, yeah. In, in, in my cohort, it's probably closer to 50 or 60 percent yeah but you um, only deal with right-wing conspiracy theorists because they're, they're way the only, more fun to hang around they're the only people that you meet at clan meetings <laughs> they're way more fun at parties <laughs> but i i do think they will definitely like the npcs are 100 percent going to fall for it mm. they're going to do it all over again they're going to be the ones screaming the loudest about it yeah and you can see you can pick them out in the crowd you know yeah. uh, hair dye face mask like yeah that's an that's an easy thing really white pasty skin is obviously another thing that they seem to have yeah and the issue you're going to have too though is that with every subject you've got the fringes on both sides you've got the left wing fringe and the right wing fringe now the problem that we experienced during the pandemic and we will continue to experience is that the left wing fringe voice is amplified and the right wing fringe voice is censored so when you when you try to go anywhere to check your ideas you're not ever going to see a balanced debate and the concerning thing about any society is the like 65-70% of disinterested people in the middle who they don't care enough to actually research anything themselves so they are very susceptible sure. to social yeah. ostracization because yep. they, they'll just go with whatever the crowd does. Yep, they'll just headline readers that, that they've been, they'll just be yeah. implanted with the information. And yeah, like you said, it is absolutely lopsided. Yeah, so the onus is on people like us and, and our viewers of the pod and listeners. You've been through this, you know the scam, you know what happened. So we actually need to hit these people in the mouth straight off the bat. As soon as these things start to come in, you need to be having conversations with people who fell for it last time going, guys, stop. No, we're not doing this anymore. We're not doing this. There was zero benefit to it last time. We've got, you know, massive economic damage, massive excess death rate. Like none of the things they did last time worked and they're advocating to do those things again. This is my approach so to say it. No. I, I, 
I try to highlight it like this when I'm talking with groups like that. I go, things got a little bit out of hand. Like if we think back, mm. you know, standing up, mask. Yeah. Sitting down, same venue, no mask. Yeah. Mouth open, putting stuff in. Blah, 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 blah. Masks in cars by yourself. Mm. But you could, uh, you could go a, to a rugby league game at Suncorp Stadium with 50,000 people in it. As long yeah. as you wore your mask into the stadium and then but, only but, took it off when you're sitting down. But I find it great once they start to, remembering back to how crazy... And they'll admit it was crazy. They'll, everyone, I've no, never met anyone who said, besides like any person who's like Sam Harris, that still thinks that was a good thing to do. Oh, I love that clip of Sam Harris. Yeah, well, he just dug himself another hole because he, he went on another podcast recently and said... If the pandemic was way worse yeah. and the vaccine was way better and the vaccine hurt nobody, then absolutely you would have wanted what happened. Yeah, I, I know. I, that, that's the clip I was talking about. Yeah. So, yeah, like he literally was like, because he was on a podcast and the, I'm pretty sure whoever is interviewing him disagreed with Sam Harris's take on the pandemic. Yeah. And and Sam Harris, because he's, an, he's an intellectual, was like, Look, I, I understand why you would disagree, but look, all you had to do was just change some of the variables and the picture is very, very different. So yeah. like what Alex said, if you had um, a, a pathogen that was far more deadly and maybe that targeted children instead of primarily old people, and then you had a vaccine which was effective and you had no breakthrough cases and you also it was also safe and you had no adverse events, then you would absolutely have had to have changed your approach to it. And then you've got RFK who would have been out there saying, don't take the vaccine. And he would have been responsible for killing all of these people. And yeah. it's like, bro, you can't... Isn't just... that the same line as that? If my, if, if my auntie had a dick, she'd be my uncle, but she doesn't show he's not. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but that's that. But this is what I, I've, I've said on the pod before. I think all of these left-wing intellectuals have gotten so used to being able to literally talk out their ass for the last three years with zero pushback, because all the yeah. pushback is censored, yeah. that they actually just love the smell of their own farts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Mm. yeah. yeah. Okay. Next subject. Uh, are we going to the... Oh, now, if if you want to go on that, that John Campbell video, the study is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh... It's funny because when I mentioned it to this person that thinks with emotion and not with logic or reason, said, oh, I don't trust anything that comes out of Israel. I was like, well, dude, hey, you need to check your crew. Like, your, your side is supposed to really like them. Just, just yeah. go. So maybe just go back, check check with your leader, come back. Yeah, we'll yeah, exactly <laughs> right. That's right. Yeah. So don't, don't yeah, don't be saying that. Yeah. Um, but go check it out. It, it, it is interesting. I found the ratio interesting. They had 600,000 vaccinated uh, participants in the study mm-hmm. and they had 60,000 unvaccinated, yeah. which I found interesting for Israel being like they were one of the most vaccinated places. Yeah. And to show that there was like a 10% difference in cohort. Mm. And, and that, that makes me think our nat 96% is, un, is not real. Yeah, I, I thought that well, we've discussed it before. I think it was BS. Again, it was another um, social conditioning trick where they just said, oh, everyone else is doing it, so you should go and do it too. Yeah. All right. Can you just zoom in a little bit? Yes. Yeah, the light's making my face wash out. Yeah. 
it's actually really bad for everything we're talking about because you look really white now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this was another uh, some a report from Alex Berenson. So this is from the 31st of August. And it's titled, Very Urgent. The mRNA COVID jabs damage immune responses to other viruses in children, a new study finds. Uh, kids who got Pfizer's mRNA COVID jabs had a weakened immune response to other viruses and bacteria, Australian researchers reported in a study published last week. The diminished response appeared within weeks after the second Pfizer dose, the authors found. Blood taken from the children produced fewer crucial signaling molecules when stimulated with several common potential bacteria and viruses. Over time, the immune response to bacteria returned to normal, but the diminished response to viruses lasted at least six months for as long as the researchers collected data. Hmm. Now, just to uh, remind you of the Pfizer, uh, the TGA Pfizer non-clinical report showed that there was a reduction in efficacy of the vaccine after only five weeks. Mm. So, so the vaccine was giving you a level of protection based off the original alpha strain for a maximum of five weeks, but the damage to literally every other respiratory response lasted six months in children. Yeah, well, uh, more than six months. They just stopped checking after six months. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. But yeah. let's say at least six months, because yeah, it does yeah. say last at least six months. Um, our study showed that in children, SARS-CoV-2 mRNA vaccination decreases inflammatory cytokine responses, the authors wrote. Cytokines like interferon play a crucial role in the immune system, helping it attack viruses and other foreign invaders. In, uh, the first line of one widely cited paper on interferons explains they are elicited on challenge to the host defense and are essential for mobilizing immune responses to pathogens. The study was small, including only 29 children aged 6 to 11 at the first post-vaccination checkpoint and 8 children at the 6-month sample period. Now, just to juxtapose that against, the study for Pfizer's, uh, not the latest one that's about to come out, but the bivalent vaccine was only tested on 8 mice. So this is yes. still a far better study. So before, yeah, I just want to sort of like double down on that. Before you go and say, oh, that study's too small, it's bigger than the study used to put the stuff inside you. That's right. That's right. And there are mass, massive ethical considerations when it comes to testing literally anything on children. So I'm not surprised yeah. that they could only get a small sample size. Further, the study's short size and tiny number of participants meant the researchers could not correlate real-world clinical outcomes, such as increased severity of infections, with the diminished immune responses. The peer-reviewed journal Frontiers in Immunology published the paper in keeping with other papers that have reported disturbing findings about the mRNAs. The study's authors were careful to tiptoe around the potential impact of their data. In their discussion, they wrote only that the findings show, in quotes, the need for further research and consideration given their broad public health implications. But several physicians who reviewed the study independently for unreported truth said they found it very troubling. Uh, I, I... I don't think it goes oh, yeah. oh, there is a little bit more, but we, we don't really need to continue yeah. on with it because, yeah, it's just basically actual researchers coming out going, ah, this is serious stuff. And again, just to throw it out there, we are, through the reporting that we've seen on this show, we have seen the following things. Number one, like, these are things that are, these are absolute truths based on the data. Number one, the vaccine does not stop you getting infected, which is the whole reason it was provisionally approved in Australia in the first place. The provisional approval condition was to stop SARS-CoV-2 infection, right? So it doesn't do that. That's number one. Number two, 
the vaccines uncategorically have damaged people. Mm. I don't know what the actual percentage is. I don't think we will ever know because we never actually tested it. We, we, and anyone who did report adverse events was gaslit for two years, right? So doesn't stop you getting infected. That has absolutely damaged people. We still have no idea on the long-term ramifications of mRNA technology. We don't. And every other time they have done trials on mRNA vaccines in the past, they canned them because the animals died that they did them yeah. on. Okay? So we have no long-term data. The vaccine companies still have absolute immunity. They are making money hand over fist because if you call this a public health issue, that justifies the government giving these companies our tax dollars to buy all these doses for the people that we end up throwing out anyway that never get used. So they will keep using the same play over and over and over again until it stops working. And don't forget, we've got a factory being built yeah Moderna factory being built that they want to push out was it 200 million doses a year i think it was 100 million doses a year of various mrna based vaccinations so it won't mm. just be covid they want to do mrna flu shots they like mrna is that's the money maker for the next 20 years like we discussed recently on the show about how they needed a new patented technology to be able to keep the gravy train mm. rolling so they want to put they want to swap out Every old vaccine, which is tried, tested, safety checked, has been used for, for, for decades, they want to swap all of those out for new untested technology because it's profitable. And clearly, the data doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what... Yeah, like it, it appears that in practice, because the, all these agencies that are supposed to protect us are all paid for by the companies that they're supposed to protect us against, the numbers don't matter. It, yeah. doesn't, it, it wouldn't matter if... Like, because uh, do you remember very early days, there was footage of an Australian, when they put a COVID jab uh, event on at a big stadium mm. and I'll just pump on these things through. And then people were having, like people were having- uh, Adverse reactions, at, like in- In real time, yeah, in real yeah. time right in front of us. And they're like, oh, don't, don't film it and you, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, if that killed people, have, uh, knowing what we know now, they just keep rolling it out. Like yep. if if, they, if we watched it live and they died, they would still do it. Yeah, that's right. How, have how that much, much more power. convincing do you need? And and I got to throw it out there too. This is why I have a massive concern with things like this, the the LGBTIQA plus trans agenda selling it to children. Because if you can if you can detach kids from reality so much that they, that they don't even know what a man and a woman is. Are they going to look at data on the safety and efficacy of a vaccine that you're jamming down their throats? Mm. Absolutely not. Because like mm. you said, data doesn't matter anymore. How, for how many years have we been bombarded with this propaganda that there's no real like facts or anything. It's your truth. It's your perception of the world. Like, you know, gender is, is how you feel on any given day. Like they literally are trying to detach us from reality. Oh, maths is racist. Don't forget that one. Math is racist. So they are... Uh, I've had this with the climate change stuff. You look outside and like, it, you are terrified of, yeah. uh, of what the weather's doing. Look what's in front of you. That's right. We live in this like utopia. Like look outside. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it, when again, you actually look at the data. Fifteen. There's 15% more of the planet covered in greenery now than there was 20 years ago. Yeah. But But like you said, data doesn't matter. And I feel like that is... 
part of what the machine is trying to do in whatever way that it can is it is trying to detach you from thinking that data is a real objective thing that we should be looking into and just throwing that out and just going with your feelings on every subject that comes yep. up because we know emotional people tend to make bad decisions that's why like cold hard stoic minded businessmen for example are usually quite successful because they don't make decisions with their emotions they make them with cold hard rational facts and if you're the if you can convince 95 percent of the population to operate purely on emotion while you're part of the five percent that's not you can make bank because how easy is it to control those people and get them to buy your product, get, like stay home for 23 hours of a day and only go outside for one hour a day to do exercise? Like, we removed all rational thought in the last three years and we need to get it back. What are we, what are we as a show putting down as a, as a marker of success for this next wave that comes through? How are we going to know if Australians been awakened or not? How are we going to know, like, what's what's going to be a marker of success? Do you think? I think it will be whether or not uh, the government tries to impose mandates of any kind, whether it's masks, whether it's vaccinations. I think that'll be the big one because you know, and we saw this during the pandemic. All the decisions they made were not based on health advice; they're based on polls, and we saw this out of Victoria a lot, like. Daniel Andrews, a lot of the decisions that were made that has been leaked, it came out that he would he did polling on these scientific decisions and then based mm. on what the poll said are the decisions that he would make. So the key is, uh, yeah, I think a marker of success is whether or not the government even tries some of these mandates. And if they do, what the, what the level of pushback is on those. And you'll be able to see it in society too. I think masks will be the big one because masks was their way of it's it's essentially uniform it was adult cosplay yeah and i you know what i had a conversation with dad during the week about literally adult cosplay and how effective it is in society so you saw it during the pandemic when they wanted to sell a message what did they do they brought on someone in a white lab coat with a stethoscope to go yeah get the vaccine it's safe and effective because we are naturally in tuned to believe people who are, who are wearing a lab coat about medical-based things. Mm. Same as if, you know, you, someone wants to... Like, politicians, for example. Why do politicians always wear, like, suit and ties? Because to us, we perceive that as power. Because yeah. powerful people have always worn suit and ties. So anyone who wears that, well, they're, a respe- they're someone who should be respected, who should be listened to. All this stuff is just adult cosplay. That's all it is. Well, I have to say that uh, the face mask thing, like, there's still a good... 10% of people in Brisbane that are still wearing it. Yeah, because Brisbane's cucked out Greensville. Yeah. And and what what needs to happen, like, unfortunately, is we actually need to be a probably, I wouldn't say aggressive, but more assertive with certain things. So, for example, if you see someone with, like, wearing a mask, we might have to ask them the question, hey, dude, like, what's with the mask? Like, have you actually looked at all the studies on, like, the fact that, number one, um, the the actual size of the COVID molecule is like 10 times smaller than anything that can actually be prevented from just mm. coming through the front of a medical, like a surgical mask, regardless of the size of the top. Have you looked at that? Have you looked at the studies about... See, I, I disagree. I disagree with that. Like, I, they, they are lost. They yeah, but, are NPCs. They are lost. But if you just... The, this is the problem with democracy. It, it won't change it. 
well okay if it if it doesn't get changed then in a democracy we're fucked because the majority rules so if you can't change oh, but the it's not the majority of... no 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 it's not it's it's no what i'm saying is that 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 10 percent that i'm seeing is an extreme 10 percent. just like there's a 10 percent extreme on the other side yep you know it's probably digging up like bunker and making their own uh bullets or something yeah. right Smart so people. there's yeah there's, so, so there's there's and and you're not going to change those their idea either mm-hmm. i think and i guess this is a bit of a stoic thing i guess it's like leave them to them let's talk to the reasonable middle yep and the people that you have to at least have your mind open to receive new information Absolutely. those people clearly don't because they're now scared of any human interaction, scared of any yep. molecules in the air. Um, to me, the energy that I'm, I'm not putting my energy into that. I, I can see what you're saying, but this therein lies the problem that I mentioned before, because you've got the fringe on the left and the fringe on the right and the fringe on the left's voice is amplified and the fringe on the right's mm-hmm. voice is censored. So the disinterested majority, the 80% of people in between those two groups when it gets to a point when the government tries to impose mandates again, well, they'll see government messaging and they'll see uh, that 10% with the masks on out in public and probably telling people, put your mask on, put your mask on, like they did during last time. And the majority of that 80% will just go with what the crowd does. So unless you have these conversations with anyone, like democracy, majority rules. And so the majority, it, it's stacked against no, it's, us. Uh, yeah, see, I disagree. So marketing, the, the greatest marketing ploy is to market to people with at least an interest as mm-hmm. opposed to just marketing to the broad audience because you get no cut through. It, it, they're not going to change. No one, no full-blown mask, or sorry, the percentage of very full-blown maskers are, are going to be, like they've picked an ideology that they now have to stick with, they will not change because it makes them look silly. Which makes them the most powerful people to change. Look at detransitioners in the trans community. They're the most important people in that whole debate. Because There's a TV all... show that's coming out, a documentary, I think, on Channel 7. Is that? About okay. that, yeah. yeah well, yeah. to me, they are the most per- important people to listen to because they have been through it, done it all, and now they're on the other side going, I, I wish I made a different decision. And... I've listened to a few things about detransitioners or from them talking about how the system was designed to manipulate them into going down that route. They're the people that you want to talk to. So same as with these pro-maskers, pro-vaxxers, realistically, if you can get some of those people to flip and let them see the light and they can say to their entire group, hey, I was once like you and now I've finally seen the light and this is what it took for me to finally realise what was going on. I think they're the most powerful voices. Facts. You looked at facts. Yeah, well, I, I, I stopped being governed by my emotions. of, and, yeah. and that's what it is. It's just, literally, it's the same plan with everything. Insert fear and then say that this is the solution. Big Daddy government's got the solution for you and you must do this to keep yourself safe from the fear that I've literally just created in your mind. Yeah. It's like global boiling. Like... Global boiling, it, that gives you the image that if you go down to the ocean, it's currently bubbling, mm. right? They insert the fear and then they, they insert themselves as the solution. And if you don't follow what we're saying, well, this very scary thing's going to happen to you. And on that note... Actually, I just want to mention one last thing before we go. Because uh, it has been a long show, but we didn't mention this on the show. But um, 
RMIT Fact Lab being punted. Do we mention that? We'll last talk week? about it next week. We'll talk about it next week. Okay, we can get we can cover that next week. Thanks very much for joining us, guys. We'll Bye. see you next week. <laughs>